0: Welcome back to another episode of books and brooms the official harmony podcast as always i'm your host the above average joe and everyone's favorite snarky brits back with me again
1: hi guys it's lauren and uh, we've got a special guest on today that we do yeah we do so um you guys will probably know her as the author of in the forest of dean but we know her better as Tori. let's face it that is a Big ass thick you've got there. <laughs> At the time that we're recording this, you've just posted Chapter 69, I think, or are you still editing it? Uh,
2: no, I just posted Chapter 69 um, on Friday.
1: So, yeah, that's... Um, that's... Sorry, I'm
2: nervous. <laughs> I forgot to say hi, by the way. Hi, everyone. How are you guys doing today?
0: We're we're great uh sorry i'm just laughing because it's just three awkward people having a conversation about something basically okay uh so obviously we're here to talk like about you do what
1: that sounds like our normal episodes
0: yeah don't go pointing it out uh, good i fit right in see? there we go everyone's anyway. awkward matches everyone else's awkward
2: Supposedly. Okay. So. Worst intro
0: ever.
1: <laughs> oh no, this isn't the worst.
0: This, um, this is pretty bad. All right, so obviously we're here to talk about *In the Forest of Dean*, which, yes, as Lauren pointed out, is a massive fic. I am still in the process of getting really, really caught up, but it's Tori, It's it's a great story. I got to get that up up front. I'm I'm loving where you're going with this and the way you're tackling the story. It, it's very much what i would have wanted if the canon went the way it should have
2: (laughs) oh thank you
1: i mean disclaimer for everybody who's listening um i have not read this fic i love tori tori even dearly and she knows this but it's just i can't deal with the dark shit just because
2: which is fair it's definitely not for everybody that's for sure
1: so um so yeah I will be keeping moredom on this one apart from you know the usual comments from the peanut gallery
0: so we're back to our usual of Lauren giving me shit. got it okay so really I just want to start off kind of what's your what's your origin story what got you into harmony take it from there like kind of oh my origin
2: story yes so we're going deep um what got me into harmony I don't think there was anything in particular that got me into harmony uh, except just that I always assumed it was going to happen. When I was reading the books as a kid uh, because I started reading it back in 1998 when it first came out and I followed them out. I was that kid who waited in line for the next book to come out, went to the opening premieres, all of that. I just always legitimately thought they would end up together. I was quite thrown when we got to book seven and all of a sudden Harry was into Ginny and Hermione was into Ron and I was sitting there wondering what was happening and was very confused. Um, So to me, they were just always, I I don't like using the term meant for each other because I'm not one of those people that believes in OTPs necessarily, or, you know, um, that true love trope, but I do think that they fit really well together. I thought they made sense. It was logical. They uh, just got along really well. They respected each other. Harry was a lot closer to her mental capacity, I would say than some other people that or other characters that people choose to pair her with. So to me they they fit and they're an easy couple. In my mind, there's nothing challenging about writing a harmony fic because they just go together so well you know it's peanut butter and jam or (laughs) whatever two things people like to put together I I agree
0: wholeheartedly and first of all I gotta say kudos on the diplomatic answer for Weasley's (laughs) (laughs) Um, but no I I agree and that brings me to kind of one of the points in your fic that I wanted to bring up is just the organic nature of the storytelling I've, I've fallen in love with this fic and the pacing of it because you're able to get to a point with the character development right as the reader's making that assumption so there's, it's every chapter has this very gratifying sense of momentum building oh that has been well, thank my you. experience so far i've i've like i said i'm only a handful of chapters into my reread and i'm, I'm just i'm loving this fic <laughs>
2: oh well, that's good i've i've got comments on that both ways i've had people tell me the pacing is too slow um believe it or not i've had people tell me the pacing is too quick which that one i find hard to believe <laughs> given the length of it it's uh i honestly don't know how i could have slowed it down any more than i did but i'm glad you used the word organic that's like the highest compliment that you could possibly give me because that's essentially what i'm going for so if that's how you feel then i can i i, I do and I, i'm sleep easy to, tonight
0: <laughs> i'm gonna try to keep my comments as spoiler free as possible uh, but there are moments that you built up with a lot of, especially what really drew me into the fic is this has got probably one of the most accurate characterizations of Hermione that I've read in quite some time. Like well, you've, thank you, again. You really nailed her the way that she'll tear apart a situation and you've got her it's in, I think it's one of the earlier chapters, you've got her kind of thinking through the events that have got them yeah. where they are and I was, I just sat there and was like, this is like I yeah, this is her, this is Hermione. This is what Hermione would do in this moment. And mm-hmm. I, I just I've I've latched on to that and I, I really, really like the the sense of character that you've given to even characters that are not necessarily present. And obviously I'm talking about the way you've introduced uh, the the Jenny subplot and that right item there, but I'll we'll we'll get to that in just a second. Uh so obviously, I mean, you're writing Harmony. What are some of your favorite go-to tropes in storytelling like what are what are ones that you really like really appreciate in reading and writing and versus ones that you wish would go away <laughs> um for
2: tropes i'm a little bit of a hot mess on that i'm kind of a paradox i sometimes it's like i'm two pers- people <laughs> in the same person <laughs> struggling i don't read a lot of fluff because i find it unrealistic. And I'm not a big fan of unrealistic things. I It also makes me uncomfortable because it's feelings and emotions and I don't do that very well. And it just makes me feel awkward and I don't like it. So I don't enjoy fluff the way that I think a lot of people do as a, almost like a form of escape from real life. I much prefer things that are realistic, gritty or dark, or that make me think or ask questions. If I can read something that makes me ponder something in life or ask myself a huge question to me, that's a win. I enjoy that. But trope wise, I would say I like comedy. I like slow burns, but not too slow. I also have, and this is where the paradox comes in with the not liking unrealistic things. I have a weak spot for crack fix. I love just the most chaotically unrealistic, ridiculous plot that makes no sense because they're fun, which is the contradiction to me not liking unrealistic things. I think I just, I don't like things that straddle the line. They either have to be realistic and real and gritty, or they have to be so far out there that it's nothing but enjoyment. Um, I tend to like those two extremes and not really anything that falls in the middle. (laughs) So... I get yeah.
0: it. I, I, I love the exact same things. <laughs> like it, Okay. It's <laughs> Good. Be, so you know what
2: I'm talking about. It's got to be
0: believable. It's, it's kind of like being on a roller coaster. You either want to feel like you're in control or completely out of control. Can't yeah. affect anything around
2: you. Exactly. I don't like that tight tension in the middle where I'm not really sure how I feel about it. I like um, mysteries as well. And I have another weakness for when people take characters and put them in the real world uh like work fix or things like that they're just enjoyable but i can't stand bashing and i also really dislike convenient fix it fix where everything is just easy you know oh i found a spell that's going to point out where a horcrux is gee wouldn't that be nice it's just it's too um convenient and i i just don't enjoy them i think there's some really good stories that have been written with that but Trope-wise, it's not for me.
0: <laughs> makes total sense, of course, because you want that kind of complex... Struggle. News. Yeah. yeah. I want, like when characters struggle.
2: Which if people, if you're listening right now and you've read Forrest of <laughs> Dean, you're probably laughing because you know just how much I like to make people struggle.
0: <laughs> it. You are a big fan of the struggle bus. I... <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'm driving that bus as far as I can take it till it runs out of gas and then I'll push it a little farther. <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, it's funny that you brought up kind of not really caring for fluff because I again I kinda we have similar temperaments in regards to what we like to consume as fix. I actually really like domestic fluff where it's nothing outlandish. It's it's like kind of that day in the life.
2: Oh, okay. Almost. Yeah.
0: You know, it's the, it's the Jim and Pam kind of fluff that I <laughs> there's an office. Right. In, I've been binging that like mad recently. But I, I, I like that kind of storytelling. And there's moments that I found in your fic where you, you're able to hint at this little bit of ease and camaraderie between Harry and Hermione amid this chaos of war.
2: Yeah. Well, I think that's important because, and, and somebody actually left a comment on my fic and they worded it way better than what I'm going to try and paraphrase. And I apologize if the person who ever wrote that listens to this and they say, that's what I said. It is what you said. I can't remember your username though. <laughs> I'm gonna try and summarize it. But you have to, in when you're writing something that is dark or gritty or um, just deals with a lot of difficult topics or things like that, you have to insert those moments of comedy or those moments of calm or normalcy In between, otherwise, you're basically writing like a snuff fic. You're writing, you're right, like you're you're writing something that is just an unbearable massacre, and it's no one's going to enjoy that. And it it's almost as if you're writing it for someone that's a sadist or someone that's a masochist or you know someone that just wants people to feel pain, which. I think those things are important because they make your characters grow, but you can't get lost in that. Otherwise it's too much and it loses its meaning and it stops mattering and it stops being important. You're just, you know, if you're slicing and dicing your characters left, right, and center, then it, there's nothing really to take away at the end of that.
0: Then you've got the back half of Deathly Hallows, which is funny. You said and I just immediately went to, you know, in that context, Half-Blood Prince probably reads better. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, a little bit.
0: You read, I uh, you read Half Blood Prince as nothing more than a Dumbledore snuff fic. You're kind of like,
2: okay, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought of one more trope I like. I also like um, ridiculous situations when you take two characters and you force them into something together, either like you literally make them physically stuck together. Those can be some of like that's comedy gold. And oh, I know yeah. some uh, Korean. Um, uh, what are those shows called? Some of those Korean drama shows, they do stuff like that all the time and I love it. It's so good. Yeah. Uh,
0: Well, let's kind of build on that. Are there any favorite fics that you like find yourself kind of going home to? Like what, what's, what's, what's on your harmony night table?
2: (laughs) Oh, my harmony night table. Oh goodness. My most favorite harmony fic hands down is unlike a sister by mad harmony. And it was abandoned maybe six years ago, 2015, I think was the final update, which kills me because I loved, I love that story. I actually read it just this past year, even knowing it was abandoned. Someone told me they're like, you have to read this story. It's so good. So I read it and it was so good and I blew through it. I like it because I thought the depictions of the characters was well done. I thought that it asked a lot of really good questions about magic and muggles and, what defines magic how are, how are these characters made magic and it touches on a lot of very difficult topics and I thought it was well done and it also just asks a lot of really good questions about happiness and relationships and there's this desperate devastation to it that I loved between Harry and Hermione where it's so clear how bad they want to be together, but you know, they can't because of the life choices I made previously and they're both married and have kids. So it's, um, I really liked that story. That's probably one of my favorites. Otherwise I recently started reading the bodyguard by Emmy award. I'm only one chapter in. So if you've read it, don't spoil it for me, <laughs> but I liked the, the concept of it. And I'm curious to see how the author works in that uh, Hermione is no longer friends with Harry because it's hinted that nothing has changed canon wise up to book seven in the fic. So I really want to know what happens after book seven to have driven them apart and have them kind of hate each other a little bit. So it's a bit out of character, but uh, I think the concept could be quite good. So I'm excited to finish reading that. Awesome. Awesome.
0: any uh, you mentioned bashing and i want to bring this up because you have a very very particular way of addressing the 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 weasley problem quote unquote (laughs) um
2: you can just say his name that's okay we all know who you're talking about
0: Well, i'm referring to collective the weasley oh the collective weasley i will say i really did enjoy the fallout from chapter one uh with ron's departure the way that that was handled and kind of the way that they both Harry and Hermione were were thinking through the events uh again gonna minimize spoilers here but it felt very very organic like it felt it felt genuine there was conflicting emotions there was a lot of you know viewing Ron's through particular lenses where it worked and didn't work and I that's something that kind of grows throughout the fic and applies to a lot of characters but I I really appreciated the way that you put that up front and it wasn't just going to be well we hate Ron now because he left
2: yeah I'm you if you keep reading it I hope it comes out I don't know if everybody notices it but I'm not a big fan of well one the bashing or two just hating on characters but I'm not a big fan of uh just how should I word this saying that someone is good or bad I don't believe in that i don't think it's realistic i i really like to try and look at each character and understand
1: i was saying it's not black and white everybody has shades of gray just not exactly
2: 50. yeah exactly and i like the idea of understanding characters and why they're doing the things they're doing or what drove them to do the things that they do so as you said when ron left in the first chapter i wanted to give hermione that moment to reflect on things and kind of see him in a different light or really think about who he was and how this is actually not the first time that he's done something like this. And I think that, you know, some people obviously think, oh, he's their friend though. So when he comes back, it'll be fine. I hated that in Canon. I thought it was just so unrealistic and drove me nuts. So I didn't want to do that. And I wanted to do something different there.
0: Thank, thank you for saying that because that has got to be probably one of the biggest things that bothered me about canon is just that he comes back and everyone's like, oh, he runs back and I'm like, no. it yeah, happened. not happen. Especially with what they're dealing with. Somebody would have thrown a punch and I'm pretty sure it would have been Hermione. Yeah. Yeah, she's got experience. She does. She, do she knows it. how to plan her in All in the hip, you know, but still just, oh, there's Ron has given so much leeway as a character that kind of excuses him of his actions. And that's something I really appreciate here is that his actions are examined from multiple perspectives. So you can understand what drove that, that event, Mm -hmm. but still not necessarily forgive him for it. You you can have empathy without, without having sympathy. And it's,
2: yeah. Thank you for saying that. Actually, I just wanted to comment. Thank you for saying that. We had that discussion, um, or I had that discussion the other day with a group of people. And that is there's a big distinction between those two things. And I think that that has been lost in fandom culture. And it is a big problem. And I'm probably digging myself into a hole right now, but I don't care. I just want to say it. Understanding why someone does what they do, empathizing with them for it, or getting that explanation as to how they got where they where they ended up or why they did those things is not the same thing as forgiving them or making an excuse for what they did and i think that line people blur it all the time and you know as much as i don't like ron's character i don't even blame him for that his character was never given the opportunity to grow or mature or to to become anything more than what he was. So it's not his fault. That was just how he was written. And I think that he had the potential to be more. He just was never written to be more. And I think that if you look just strictly even at canon, even at what he was, it makes sense why he did what he did. I don't agree with it. Oh, yeah. And I, it was a terrible thing to do. And he's a bad friend because of it. But I can understand... Where why Having it happened?
1: The Having the Horcrux didn't help.
2: Exactly. That yeah. just
0: exacerbated the situation. It happened faster, really. I mean, yeah. like I mean, we've I, we've said this before in the thick that in in the podcast that like even Dumbledore knew Ron would bail.
2: Yes, exactly. <laughs> if you want to believe the whole Dumbledore was the mastermind, which I have my own issues with, but let's just pretend that that's true he knew he was going to bail and he gave him a device to come back like because that just fundamentally was who ron was he did it in goblet of fire he abandoned harry there when he needed him most um there was one other time where he did it and i don't have it written down so i can't cite it but it's not the first time that he was either he basically he lets his jealousy get the best of him right and, and among other things but it wasn't the first time that it happened
1: the thing is what annoys me is that ron in books I would have said one to three maybe is a very different character to
0: yes. a- absolutely. We said that in the, the first episode that it was like you know, books one through three Ron is fundamentally different than books four through seven. He he just he plateaus and then takes a hard left turn in gobble of fire. Yeah, and just starts running. Yeah. Yeah. Like face first into the walls. <laughs> I, I wanna talk about the uh the storyline and obviously we're gonna Completely, yeah, out spoilers here because this is such an enjoyable part of the fic. Because it Aww. one adds a lot of, of depth and nuance to Ginny as a character, it makes her interesting, at least to me. Because you have her, you're finally giving Ginny an identity outside of I'm the girl that's crazy about Harry Potter,
2: I'm mm-hmm.
1: and Quidditch.
0: And Quidditch, yes, sure. I. Admittedly, I'm probably coming at this from a slightly selfish perspective because it I follow a similar path in the fic that I'm developing. So I was kind of like, yes, okay. someone else went there. Ha! Huh. <laughs> but I, I, I really, I just, I fell in love with the way that you were telling that story. Like I even skipped ahead just to keep kind of reading her story a bit and then doubled back. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, because you cause can because some of her story takes place back in time too. So, yeah, so I, I, yeah.
0: I, I I jumped back with that and then would like found myself like switching back and forth just because I had multiple mm-hmm. tabs open. It was a browser nightmare. <laughs> but I, I really loved the the depth that you gave her evolution and how that impacted Harry. Cause it makes it honestly, it makes Harry a better fit for Hermione in the way that Harry do it. And I just I love that whole arc. And you're you're fighting against this Vic, because it it does deal with some heavy stuff. But I will say the way that that is handled is, again, kind of one of those bright spots of mid-darkness because you're in this horrible war and you've got these little pockets of joy that are spread out. They're they're coming from the simplest of things that are often Mm -hmm. difficult to achieve. And I... Like there, I will, I'll admit, I think it was part one of her story where it dives into kind of her thought process and yes. I was like, oh, yeah. good. <laughs> that's what, the was- before.
2: <laughs> Her character was such an excellent blank slate yes. in my opinion, because, and that's, I think, part of the reason why I was so surprised by canon that harry was all of a sudden into Ginny because she wasn't really a character she didn't have any she wasn't i would argue she wasn't even one-dimensional she wasn't even a cardboard cutout she was kind of like a sticky note that was stuck on the wall and was used conveniently in a few places for plot reasons but I like you can say that about she, a lot of plot stuff true but i don't think she was ever given a personality you know there was the oh, she's fiery and oh, she's tough. Like they, everyone said it, but we never really got the chance to, yeah, we didn't see it. Or you would see it, but it was always convenient and it was always small. Like we didn't get to actually experience it as readers and learn to love her as a character the same way that you learn to love, you know, Hermione, Ron, Harry, even Sirius. People love Sirius Black. Like he had a better... um, Development as a character for readers to get attached to him. We never, never got the opportunity to grow attached to Ginny in canon. So,
1: I think, I think even Remus, apart from apart from that moment in Deathly Book Hallows, three. shit show, even oh, Remus yes. got better developed than yes the did.
0: Well, you say that because e- even that shit show moment in Deathly Hallows with Remus feels accurate to the character because you've seen the way he struggled with some things it doesn't make him a good doesn't make it doesn't excuse it but you can see where he's going with it whereas mm-hmm. Jimmy, everything just kind of feels like it's coming out of left field because there's no core characterization to anchor it it's just like
2: yeah she's kind of just drifting using your anchor
1: analogy. analogy but it's never or you you see somebody threatened with it but i don't think you ever actually see her cast it do you
2: uh, no, the Bat Bogey Hex, I don't think so. I, I don't
0: think it's been, I don't think it's actually cast. I don't, it's been a long time since I've read that one.
2: Yeah, I would have to go back. But um, but yeah, I, I just thought her character was a good opportunity to turn her into a character. <laughs> to, to give her a personality, That's to make fair. her a person. Um, You know, kind of let her live up to her name that she had without us having ever seen her do it in canon, so... So yeah. I'm glad that you like how I wrote her.
0: I do. And I I also appreciate the the effort you're putting into kind of examining the character's various mental states throughout the war. Like you've got Harry oh, yeah. reconciling his previous trauma and kind of the fact that he has no idea what the hell he's supposed to do. <laughs> you've yeah. Got Hermione reconciling that as well. Obviously the Jenny storyline, I'll stop it there before I start spilling my guts about how much I love this. <laughs> but everything feels appropriate. Like Harry's reconciliation of his, of his past isn't overly mature for a 17 year old. It feels level, especially for one that's kind of seen and experienced the stuff that he's gone through. Mm -hmm. There's very frank examinations of, of characters I mean, there's a moment again, slight spoiler where Harry's just like, I have, he's just woefully unprepared for the task at hand. And I I liked that he was struggling with that.
2: Yeah, I agree. Because I think that is accurate. Like Harry in Canon, his talent was being incredibly lucky and showing up at the right time with an Expelliarmus (laughs) like that's pretty much his skill level he never developed either um so i just wanted to change
1: that he was very he was reactive not active
2: i think i I think the
0: the moment that could have that should have served as the the flip was year five like we saw harry finally stepping into that leadership role and then book 6 rolled around and it's like well let's just let's just regress everyone back to oh just-
2: yeah book 6 was just regressing characters for sure and even within book 5 you know he still didn't care to take the time to learn how to do acclimancy even though he knew he needed to i'm it's just it bo- boggled my mind
1: yes yeah, certain amount of that would have just been down to snake though i think if he'd had a mm. better of- and he would have yeah, but he didn't
2: even do it on his own like he didn't try he didn't he didn't mm-hmm. tell anybody about what happened I don't know I struggle with that one yeah
0: I, I felt the same way like this is very much this fic very much kind of answered that need I had for a more competent Harry going into year six like this book this, this book this fic really does kind of give me what I had in my head for what Harry would be like Post the battle of, <laughs> as a ministry, like so, right. I, I finally get Harry in that struggling with the burden of leadership and where he stands among the war, and still trying to find his, his sense of self. Mm-hmm. I really like that, and I like that all the character interactions are are based around the need for Harry to fill that role. Like I really like that her that the relationship with Hermione is kind of it it follows the. Kind of the, the the tutor aspect that was there in the the early years right uh, with a more mature and not and not necessarily you know dragging you along kind of way i, I like that harry finally feels a little more independent and resolved mm-hmm.
1: i mean just i was just going to pop in a question from um one of our listeners and this may have been covered earlier when i had to pop out um i mean why particularly a rewrite of book seven rather than starting it in half big plot for example or um anything like that um and what was the other half of that question um what inspired the plot of in the forest of dean
2: oh goodness those are big questions um (laughs) well you know as for yeah i do as for i'll talk to her later as for why a rewrite of book seven versus any other book? There's a few reasons for that. Um, A lot of people might think that this is a stupid reason, but namely the number one reason was I have no interest in writing children. I don't (laughs) understand them. My brain doesn't really work the way that their brains work. I have no interest in writing a 13-year-old or a 12-year-old's thought process or yeah, I just, I don't even want to go in to that, especially when I know that my interests are so dark and gritty with the things that I want to talk about or deal with. And I don't think that's appropriate for sticking a young character or a young kid in there. Uh, so I would say book seven, maybe book six is probably the earliest I would ever consider writing from a fan fiction perspective, because I just don't want to write 15 year olds. Uh, so writing book seven well hey man we've I've talked to him we've talked and uh I feel for him it is hard writing kids so book seven is like a good starting place from the perspective of they're old enough to know better and they're old enough to start thinking critically and to see the world for what it really is so you can do a lot more with that the second part is I don't have any and people might hate me for this too I don't have any huge gripes with the plot up until book six, six, uh, six or seven so I'm pretty well okay with most of what happens up until that point I like there's there's moments and there's things that I would change or that I don't like but it's not worth going back and rewriting that many years worth of school to fix those fine like those tiny little issues that I have so I started at seven because it seemed like a good slate uh also because I didn't like how the horcrux hunt went and I wanted to change that and I always I just thought it was a great moment for where Harry and Hermione would come together you're stuck in a tent you got the weight of the world on your shoulders you know you're there with your best friend I thought it was a great opportunity for the two of them I would assume that that's where they probably would have gotten together uh in canon and so it just it seemed like a good spot as for what inspired it largely it was inspired from rereading the books as an adult and having issues with it (laughs) I can see you laughing (laughs) Um, and just uh, I kind of I guess I started to wonder, you know, because the books, if you look at the Harry Potter books, really look at them, they are dark in nature. They they touch on a lot of very adult themes or very dark themes or very, very big topics. But it was wrapped up in this child blanket and packaged so that it could be a kid's book. So all of those excellent things and topics were never really touched. So I wanted to take that blanket and rip it away and see <laughs> what would happen. I wanted to rewrite it for adults is what I wanted to do. And I wanted it to be realistic and I wanted it to properly depict war because I don't think it was properly written, which makes sense because it was a kid's book. It wasn't a war novel. So I just wanted to update it for adults for, okay. and, and make it realistic, basically
0: i'm here for it like this 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 fic answers a lot of needs that i had f- from my my harry potter phantom am like i I, <laughs> I i have this hole i need to fill it and then i found this fic I, like i said I, i'm plowing through it finally now that my daughter's behaving <laughs>
2: quote unquote
0: i want to talk again we kind of mentioned uh some some other, some least favorite tropes. You mentioned uh, bashing. Were there any other kind of tropes that you see a lot of fix going towards that you maybe wanted to avoid or kind of, you said you wanted to write this from a more mature perspective? What were ones that kind of jumped out at you as, oh, can't use that, if any?
2: Uh, convenience. That's the big one. I don't want anything to be convenient. I want people to have to work for what they get. I don't like overpowered heroes or heroines. I, I don't like that it's, oh, we trained for two weeks and suddenly I can destroy the universe. I just, it irks me in a way I can't even describe. (laughs) I think it should be a struggle. I think you should earn what you get. I know magic is magic, but to me, it should be grounded within its own rules and have to abide by them. The book breaks them constantly, but they are there. If you go look through the lore, the lore does actually have some rules to it so you can follow it. And otherwise, for tropes, I, again, I think with the not wanting to paint anybody as good or bad or clean. I want everybody's hands to be dirty in this because I hate the uh, um, I hate the chosen one trope. It bothers me. It's unrealistic. I think it's it's overused. It Yeah, and it's just... Well, it, it's, it's so, so overdone. Goes,
0: it goes hand-in-hand hand so many times with the overpowered hero thing. Yeah. And that, I think that's really what undoes its use. Is you, you say chosen one, automatically it's like, well, the slate has to be really easy for them then. And it's like, because you're chosen to be the <laughs> savior doesn't mean it, you It's an uphill
2: climb, man. It's an uphill climb, and it doesn't mean you're going to do it alone either. I yeah. wanted the story to show that the war was so much more than just Harry and this trio. Because the books were told from his perspective. It always followed the three of them around. And in a lot of ways, he was incredibly self-centered. Or the books were just... you know In book five, it was, oh my gosh, Sirius is in the DOM. We have to go there now. You didn't stop and think that you could get in touch with someone in the Order, ask them. It was just... It was so
1: year they were so used to doing stuff by themselves because they had nearly five years of getting shit done themselves. Because when they went,
0: yeah. The first well, year, I, 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 I think year five was necessary as a learning
2: moment. It but, was, except that he didn't he learn got, was the problem.
0: Yeah, that all the problems coming out of year five are, are the fact that year six and year seven went the way they did.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, that's fair. Year five should have been used as the point, as the turning point for Harry, where he matured and he learned and he grew up. But then, as you said, book six regresses everybody back. So I wanted to make that happen again. And unfortunately, looking at the history of Harry and the fact that he doesn't seem to care about his own well being or safety, the only way to get him to care or to take things seriously is to hurt or harm someone else that he cares about mm-hmm. which unfortunately in this case Hermione took the brunt of that and yes that was I shamelessly used that as a plot device and I'll admit to that and it's unfortunately she had to bear that burden for him to learn and grow but in my mind it was pretty much the only way to get him to get his act together.
0: Yeah I, I agree and it's a lot of the the effort that's put in in, in canon it's put into to shaping Harry into the the hero quote-unquote is a lot of that mm. blind faith in the idea of sacrifice like harry's very willing to throw his body in front of something which yeah from a certain perspective is kind of noble but also it's very limiting from a character perspective because you've got to be able to balance with action and intent
1: look at his childhood with the dursleys as well
0: again another thing I, i'm really happy that was addressed was seeing the events of the dirt of his time with the it Dur- through a more mature lens and that's mm-hmm. i can't count how many fights i've gotten into in the courtroom on the, on the discord about <laughs> <laughs> about the fact that you know child abuse was a thing in these books and they just kind of gloss over it like well they were mean to him
2: that was a that's a theme in the books there's a lot of moments it's not even just with harry um and i don't know if it was just the sign of the times because these were published back in the 90s where a lot of you know, questionable things were laughed at, but violence or harassing people or things like that were very underdone in the book. Like they were there, but people just accepted it. Like even the, and I know it's a common argument that happened in those courtrooms all the time where, you know, Molly with the love potions and that, oh, it was funny. Like she gave Arthur a love potion. Like the culture, I don't know if that was a cultural thing of the nineties or if that was a cultural thing that she was trying to put in for, the wizarding world or what but there was a lot of iffy things that happen in that book when you really look at it
0: (laughs) i'm just going to chalk it up to jkr being universally tone deaf yeah i think the last year or so has kind of clarified
2: that for everyone yeah
1: the thing is we also (laughs) don't know if arthur already fancied her for for we know he already did so
2: but all of that is just inference my point is that a lot of people, when they have these discussions about canon and, and the debate, they're putting their own bias on it. And they're putting their own opinions or their own extrapolations onto it. But if you look strictly at canon text, nothing else, there are a lot of instances of problematic things that are made out to be a joke. And when you really look at them, they're really not that funny. So, well, I mean, yeah, James
0: as a character is a great example of that, where he's kind of sanctified, but he was a high school jock who tormented a kid.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, I've got big issues with the Marauders. <laughs> as young, young kids, I don't think that they were good people. I even have, and I'm sure again, I'm digging myself into a hole. I have issues with Lily Potter. Uh, you know, everyone lauded her as this wonderful woman and this great student. She's oh, she's so nice, but I have my doubts on that based off of how. You know some canon facts that are revealed later so it's just but again that goes back to the i think uh, no characters is clean cut right so i wanted to try and capture that that i wanted to try and make Some of these characters, even the ones that people really liked, I wanted them to, like I said, get their hands dirty and I wanted it to become gray so that at the end of the day, hopefully after you read it, you're kind of questioning yourself, you know, how do you, how do you draw that line? How do you define that line between what makes somebody good or somebody bad? Where, where, where are you willing to forgive up to versus not? Because it's not all clean cut, right? Like there's a scene that just happened in chapter 68. I don't want to spoil it for you. But it's a thing with Hermione. And you know, you can argue, oh, they're bad people. Still happen, though. Still happen. She still did it, right? So it's it's a it's an interesting concept to think about.
0: And that's why I really like the way you're approaching the concept of war, because I'm actually I'm reminded of a line. I'm gonna go completely off script here. Uh no a line from a random episode of West Wing where is any, either of you watched it?
2: I've not seen it, no.
1: I have seen it, but a long time ago.
0: Great show, wonderful writing, great acting. Anyway, moving on. There's a moment where the characters are debating kind of an international war crimes treaty, and there's a general that's opposed to it. And he looks at the man, and he's, they've been having this round around argument, he just goes, All wars are crimes. And just walks out of the is room. That Martin,
1: is that President Bartlett or is that the general?
0: It's the general. He just he just says all wars are crimes and he walks out of the office. And it's just like the way the episode is cut and the way that they've moved to the next scene, it's just this finite statement that smacks you in the face and really allows you to in that brief moment between scenes reevaluate the first half of the episode. And I, I like the way that you're approaching the context of war with this storytelling because yeah, they're gonna have they're gonna have to get down and dirty. Like there's not a
2: there's not a clean way to win a war and yeah well there's a lot of people who you know they think there's honor in war or they think that it's glorious or they think that it's uh it gets romanticized a lot and it shouldn't be because in my and I'm sure you know cultures or people or whatever would disagree with me I don't think that there's any glory in war I don't think there's any honor in war I think that it's it's a terrible thing that happens and it hurts everybody involved in it everyone near it it hurts generations it's and it shouldn't be romanticized and it is really hard you know like even in movies and culture like today with what's popular everybody likes these movies with these giant epic fight scenes and I'm the first one who's guilty of being like that's cool I love that but it's not real right it's not realistic as to what what that would be like if you were in it
0: and i think the caveat there is you can fight a war with honor but there is no honor in war
2: exactly and i think
0: that's what that's what gets a what gets lost a lot in the fandom is that well they're automatically heroes for going to war it's like no no (laughs) they get sucked into a war and they're like well it's either this or we just get
2: killed yep Yep, i agree
1: i don't disagree with you but i also
2: Think
0: sometimes it's necessary to fight for what's right. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. So, absolutely. Of course the, it is. The necessity of war doesn't wipe out its its nature. Like, yes, sometimes yes, I... war are, is necessary. I I totally agree with the point and where you're going with that. I just really appreciate the way that you've applied the context of war to these kind of quantum surges in character development. It's kind of like you're playing, you know, character development catch up. <laughs> In, yeah in a way <laughs> yeah. um but you've you've used the context of war to strike a balance between maturity and necessity and i've I really appreciate it. I'm just gonna Episode fawning over this fic. i'll i'll be honest
2: I know I'm just sitting here and I'm feeling very flustered because you keep saying very kind things, and I'm not really sure what to do with that because we've talked about how I am with feelings so yeah sorry I'm... no <laughs> sorry right. sorry yeah.
1: <laughs> um... speaking of war as we were, obviously that's. Harry's mental state is already a bit dodgy at times, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but obviously going to war and going through all this shit is going to affect his and Hermione's and everybody else's mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, because I haven't read the fic, I don't know how you deal with that. So what, I don't know where I'm going with that.
2: (laughs) I I do try to deal with it. I think it's a tricky subject to deal with because you don't want to get preachy and you don't want to make it like you're giving advice or making it seem like everybody should handle everything the same way because people don't. Trauma is different and it's different for everybody and how people handle it is different. But I also actually, there you go back to your question, Joe, of things I'm trying to avoid. I don't like when people gloss over that because it is there. And I think it's important to touch on it. But again, you don't want to, it's like anything else. You don't want to touch it too much. If you touch it too much, you wreck it. You don't want it to be too violent. You don't want it to be too dark. You don't want it to be too funny. You don't, you know, I don't want to sit there and preach on for 20,000 words about Harry dealing with all of his issues, but I'm not going to pretend like they're not there either. So I do. I, uh, like I guess to what you're saying Epps I do try to address it hopefully in a good way <laughs> I can't say hopefully constructively but it is definitely uh touched upon throughout and it's a theme throughout the whole thing from chapter one to 70 that I'm writing right now so
1: yeah I mean to be slightly fair and I'm slightly fair to JKR certainly still in the 90s Things like ptsd still weren't really exactly
2: well i mean
0: even today i mean we're just we're just now entering a period where the stigma around mental health is starting to recede Mm -hmm. and i this is something i've seen a lot in fanfics like everyone wants to treat like even in canon it's like everyone just
2: walks out of this war unscathed yeah right like
1: (sighs) bollocks
2: yeah the face you're making exactly i don't think so <laughs> i'm like
0: let's just let's step back a year and realize the 16 year old watched his professor take a nosedive and we're not we're not even we're, we're, we're gonna gloss over that <laughs> yeah
1: yeah and also not only that killed by another professor
2: yeah and then rewind the year before that where he lost the only family member he had rewind the year before that he watched a friend from school die before his eyes right like, harry's got problems Yeah, he just does. He
1: thought that his parents' best friend killed them, but actually, yeah, it was a different best friend. It was the other best friend. Eleven
0: years of his life being thrown into a closet. Like, yeah, there's going to be some deep-seated trauma there, and I, I can't stand fix that. Just everything's going to be hunky dory after the war. And I, again, I'm not very far into this fic yet because I'm rereading and playing catch up. But it's very evident.
2: it's not going to be hunky-dory. <laughs>
0: it's, it's very evident up front that, you know, we're, we're going to try to reconcile some issues, but it's not like, you know, let's get it all clean slate so I'm fine afterward. Like, you can tell that Harry's going to emerge from this fic in Hermione. and every, Everyone's going to emerge from the other side of this fic vastly different people.
2: Exactly. And I think that's the big thing is a lot of people, they'll, I've seen it before in some other fics, people will try to address it, but by addressing it, they're trying to fix it and then bring it back to what it was. Which is just not how
1: it works,
2: not how that works. Yeah, that is not how trauma works. That is not how dealing with uh, any of those kinds of issues works. You can fix it in the sense of your character learns how to deal with it, but you're never the same. You go through something like that, you're not the same person. You're just not.
0: And I think a lot of that comes from people approaching it from that haven't experienced that kind of trauma. I,
2: Yeah, I agree. I think it comes from that naivety. And on that note, or maybe it comes from people who have and they're just that's their escapism, right? That's the well, we just want people to be happy. And on those two sides, if you're doing it because you just want people to be happy and you just don't want to deal with it because you have enough of it in your own life, I applaud you. You keep doing that. That's great. Um, if you haven't been through it, so you have no experience with any kind of difficulties or, or, or dealing with any of those sorts of things, then I also applaud you because <laughs> you're, you're having a great life. And I hope that you never have to deal with anything. And I hope that you never have to understand it because if you have dealt with it, it's awful. It's awful. And it doesn't go away.
1: Also, some people don't know, don't know how to write people dealing with it, whether that's... True. I
0: mean, well that kind of to your point Lauren, that kind of works with the the escapist nature of fanfic where it's it's mm-hmm. there was for a long time where fanfic was really just seen as pure escapism and it was kind of like the 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 age of meaningless fluff. Everyone's yes. happy all the time and everyone this is but as the audience has grown story storytelling has matured in kind of the same way kind of the way that the books should have fanfic has grown to encompass much deeper themes definitely
1: but also i mean i'm gonna be even more blunt than usual i know surprise um but i suffer with depression i have to take meds for it and i would not have any idea i still haven't got a handle on it myself so i have no idea how i would write harry for example or hermione dealing with depression and let's face it they're gonna have at least some form along with their ptsd mm. along with everything else post the war some of that's think, just yeah i don't know how i would write that and maybe that's because i'm not a writer i don't claim to be a writer but i just don't know maybe because i'm not dealing it, with it that well myself
2: i would say and i'm you know i'm I'll just put this out there as a disclaimer alert. I'm not a therapist. Um, but I would, ar- I would argue that that's an articulation issue or like an outlet issue where if you are dealing with those sorts of things, not everyone is going to be able to write about it, you know, or, or describe it to someone else. Um, you know, I know people who paint, uh, they, they get it out of them by painting. I know people who they, they, they channel that into sports or they channel that into whatever. Um, so I don't think that just because you've dealt with it yourself automatically translates to, oh, you could explain it to someone or capture it well with words. And I don't think that that's a, a reflection of, oh, because you can't, that means you're not dealing with it well, right? Like I just think that everybody um, articulates these things and and gets these things out or deals with them all differently. So it's just... You know, and there's really great writers, even if you look at mainstream books or media, there's really great writers who can just only write write one genre. They just, Mm. that's all they got. They just, they can't do other genres or they can't do other types of characters. And it's not that they're bad writers or anything. It's just some people just, I don't know, they either can't, won't, aren't comfortable with, it doesn't matter. There's a number of different reasons, but they're just, they don't write those types of things and that's fine. I think that that's fine. I'll be honest with you. I, given how dark dark this is, I did not expect anyone to even want to read it. I did not think that anyone would read it. I didn't, as you said, Joe, like fan fiction was that happy outlet. It was the fun thing you did when you got home from school was I'm going to go read some crap on the internet and it's going to be great. And I'm going to get away from real life for a little while. So given that this is not that, Um, And I know times have changed. And as you said, fanfic stories, some of them are like, they are legitimate stories, I would argue, at this point. I, but yeah, it's surprising that anybody wants to read this, given the content.
0: I totally get you. But I mean, I, I could sit here and spend all day long fawning over this and just picking your brain about this fic because I am so beyond hooked well
2: if you have any questions anytime by the way you can just ask me outside of this too i'd be happy to i I, yeah i
0: plan on it like i'm probably (laughs) gonna blow up your dms i'm not even go for it apologizing for that um but are there anything anything about the development of this fic what kind of what what went into the thought process behind it i noticed you put you posted an author's note from much later into this fic about a kind of a team of betas what's what's that experience like uh
1: also interject we one of the questions um that we had from one of the listeners was do you map out your story from the beginning or do you let the story decide what's coming next as you write all
2: right i'll i'll tackle both of those separately first one with the betas i so i actually don't i have to be careful how not careful how i word this but i gotta it, it's almost like a timeline i have not worked with betas and did not work with betas every chapter that i wrote I wrote myself, edited myself, posted myself for the last year, over just over a year and a half. But then at Christmas of this past year, December 2020, I wanted to start uploading onto fanfiction.net. But I needed to go back and like re-edit the old chapters and just kind of update them and get them up to snuff. Because your writing quality changes and improves as you go, right? So chapters one through I would argue 30 are totally different from 30 up to where we are at now. I So I wanted to go back and fix them and then upload them. But I just don't have the time (laughs) to do this by myself. So I put out a call to action request for help and asked if anybody would be kind enough to help me find all those because it's, it's hard when you read I have read this story so many times between the writing it the editing it the you know restructure everything your, your brain just flies over the mistakes you don't even see them and you know editors like Grammarly or whatever else they can only pick up so much so it's hard to catch everything and it kills me every time i get a little comment where they're like oh i noticed a little grammar mistake <laughs> and i'm sitting there shaking my fist and I'm being why is it oh, those i know it's there i cut the deepest <laughs> they do because it's the way they're and it's i know there's nothing mean meant by it but it's the way they're worded where it's almost implying that you didn't bother looking for them and, <laughs> and i'm sitting there you know laughing and being angry and wanting to cry because i i did look for them i just can't see it because i've read it eight times over and your brain fills in the gaps so i don't notice those missing words or the errors but anyway point being i'm rambling i put out that call to action and i had a couple people who were kind enough to offer so i uploaded you know all the old chapters onto google drives and they crawled through um some of the old chapters i think they got up to like chapter 18 and then They've either (laughs) forgotten about it or maybe they just don't want to do it anymore. I don't know. I should touch base with them and see what's going on there. Uh, But they were kind enough to do that. And then in the more recent chapters, I believe starting at chapter either 65, 67, someone in the comments offered to beta for me. And I've had a few people do that before, but just something about this particular person. Their name is Greca. They um, said, hey, I'll beta for you. And I was like, eh, you know what? I made it to chapter sixty-five by myself. Sure, a beta would be helpful. So I send them uh the chapter when I'm done. And the ev- like every beta relationship. I know the relationship Envy has with Rainbow, um, the relationship that uh, you know, Jess has with her beta, and just it's always all different. People want different things, and that would be, I guess. Advice note here: If you are someone who writes and you want a beta, just make sure you establish what you want from that beta, so you both know what you're giving, getting, and agreeing to. Because everybody wants different things. Um, some betas only do grammatical editing. Some want to help write the story and help with the plot. It's totally different for everybody, so you need to establish that upfront, uh, just to save yourself some headaches. But so Greca, they um, they just kind of read through and ask questions, catch help with the grammar catches, uh, give some suggestions for places where what I wrote either isn't clear or they didn't understand what I was trying to say or whatever. So that's very helpful to me because I know this stuff like inside out, backwards, sideways. I'm very comfortable with the plot and the content of what I'm writing. And I forget that not everybody has access to all the knowledge that's (laughs) sitting in my head. So I'll write something sometimes and Greca's like, I don't understand what you're saying. And I'm like, oh well I knew what I was saying but (laughs) apparently it wasn't clear so they've helped uh with that kind of as more a um like a pre-screening read so that's my experience with betas anyway I don't have I've never had a beta or anybody help with uh plot actually except for envy envy was kind enough a couple times where we chatted and I passed some ideas by him and bounced some ideas off of him just to get reactions and see what he thought
0: that is a a very specific interaction that i i really enjoy about the fanfic writing community is that there is a tendency to once you've established that kind of relationship with another writer you'd be like hey i need to bounce Mm -hmm. an idea off you Mm -hmm. and that some of those conversations are the most enjoyable at least for me like i i love having those conversations because i'm like crap i didn't think about that good point Shit.
2: yeah oh yeah we envy and i have had epically long Conver- like conversations of epically long proportions on things like that. Usually it starts with me asking the question of, hey, do you think people would hate me if I said blank? <laughs> and and then I throw this, Or if I do this, do you think they'll come to my house with stakes? And sometimes he says yes, and then other times he says no. So it, um, it kind of helps you because you get lost in it, right? So it kind of helps you stay grounded as to what you're trying to do. But the... I'm trying to remember what was the question apps that you had the second question. Oh, she left. Sorry, hold on. I
0: keep, I keep I to... on.
2: No worries.
1: I was, you know, trying to one eat and two drink. Um, the question was, do you map out your story from the beginning or do you let the story decide what's coming oh. next as you write?
2: Yeah. Uh, it's a combination of both. Yeah, it's both. I. What's funny is when I started this, it was actually supposed to be 10 chapters, maximum 20. It was supposed to end, you stop laughing, (laughs) it was supposed to end uh, at Christmas time after the Bethilda bag shot scene when Harry and Hermione basically, you know, were they were, the plan was, oh, they're going to have that moment and then get together and admit their feelings to each other and all to be happy. And I was going to end it there. But then like we touched on earlier, I wanted Harry to grow and I wanted these characters to grow. And I knew he needed that trigger to force him to mature, which ended up being Hermione's injury, which then when I went down that route, I realized there's a lot more to the story that I want to tell. And I'm having so much fun and I can do so much more with this. So I think it was by chapter three or four, I realized this is going to be big. And this (laughs) this there's so many more things that I want to say and do. So at that point I started plotting it out, but I've had it plotted for over a year now, I have a cheat sheet, bullet point summary timeline of everything that's going to happen everywhere they're going to go all the key moments. Um, but I'm open to letting that grow and change as I write because there's been times where I've started writing a scene or writing a chapter and it just goes in a totally different direction than what I expected. But it's natural and I and I like it. And it's if that's where the story's going to take me, then that's where the story's going to take me. So I have it plotted. I know it's going to happen. There are key things that I really don't want to change. But that said, nothing is set in stone, because I think that that can wreck a story. And that's not to go back to the what happened in the Deathly Hallows. But um, (laughs) yeah, I see that look on your face. That is kind of what happened because JK had that headcanon of she wanted hermione and ron together but organically the plot of the books up till that point didn't point you in that direction but then she forced it back there at the end and it didn't feel right and i don't want to ever do something like that so
1: i believe she was at least originally considering killing ron off so yeah
2: yeah so i just uh yeah i do i do have it plotted i do know what's gonna happen and it's all set, but it's it's open. And it is constantly changing and growing and shifting as I write. So it's a bit of both.
0: Uh, Lauren, so what other questions do we have from our listeners?
1: So uh, these are all from one particular listener. I got a list. Um, so thank you to that particular listener. Um, so, um, Nasir has been a controversial character for your readers. Uh, why did you decide to give Harry and Hermione a mental like like this and like him now i don't know why it's controversial
2: so oh it is uh it is controversial oh boy is it ever i got a lot of flack for that and i still get it uh the short answer there is because they needed one i absolutely 100% refuse to believe that three teenagers with no training could take down you know quote-unquote the darkest wizard of all time i just refuse, uh, especially with the way it ended in canon with Harry taking him out with a disarming spell. It physically pains me when I think back to that. And I just, you know, I get that it was a kid's book. I get the wanting to show that violence isn't always the answer and that love conquers all and, you know, all that stuff about hatred and all that. But again, with this, with the intent behind this fic being that it was intended to be written for adults dealing with war properly, realistically, and being real, I can't see how Harry, Ron, and Hermione could possibly be successful without having a mentor of some sorts. And, you know, we're talking about Voldemort, who's apparently a man who amassed a massive group of supporters and waged war on the entirety of Wizarding Britain. In order to do that successfully, his character has to be incredibly powerful, incredibly charismatic. At least to start with, and incredibly uh just intelligent. So with the way Harry was in Canon, I just didn't see that being realistic. So they needed somebody to come in and help them and teach them what they needed to know and kind of support them and help them grow into uh, reach the potential that they had as witches and wizards in that world. I also refuse to believe that you know, Dumbledore and Voldemort were like, what are they the only two powerful witches and wizards in Britain? Like, come on, like, there's, there's gotta be some other big hitters well, out there. Up
1: there. You would have thought.
2: Yeah, yeah, I would have thought there'd be some other big hitters. So I wanted to introduce another big hitter in there that had a a plot, or a, I guess a a story that actually ties into, and I don't want to spoiler it either, but it it ties into the in, unspeakables and it ties into, you know, the questions of, well, why wasn't there a war in this part of the world? Why was it only in Britain? Like, there's a lot of questions that I had in about canon that I, I wanted to use the addition of this OC character to kind of help address those things. I know it's a it, it's honestly a split down the middle. People either really like his character or they really hate him. There's hardly any (laughs) in between. But that's okay. I just uh Yeah
1: Why didn't why did that not affect the rest considering how potentially backwards wizarding Britain is, why didn't why didn't it affect the rest of the British Empire? Um
2: It's a good question.
1: Australia, New Zealand, Canada. Uh
0: people forget Canada's in any war, so like
2: hey canada did some good stuff in some wars i don't i don't debate that i'm just saying forget (laughs) it (laughs) yeah they do they do they get left out a lot but but yeah i just um and i also didn't like the classic like one guy is chosen to take down the the big bad guy i think that i you know it's a team effort there's got to be a lot of people involved so i just kind of wanted to expand on that
1: um the next question was ancient ruins are a big aspect of your story why did you choose them in particular uh
2: I like them (laughs) I, I like them and I'm fascinated by them I was curious about how they could be used or what they could do it was almost as if it was an easter egg dropped in canon by JK Hermione mentioned that she was taking the class but there wasn't a lot of context given as to what it was or what they did. And I wanted to explore that and kind of fill that gap. I also am fascinated by the idea of dark and old magic. I like there being the concept of there being a a type of magic that a lot of witches and wizards wouldn't touch or wouldn't use Mm -hmm. as well as I like the idea of there being a cost. Pardon? Yeah.
1: I was going to say there's probably a certain amount of stuff used in things like the pyramids that Bill was looking at while he was in Egypt that they probably wouldn't use now.
2: Exactly. Exactly. So I wanted to bring that into the light and I thought ruins was a good way to do that. Plus, yeah, I like the idea of there being a cost to using something. I don't think that it should be that easy. And I thought ruins were a good way to add that in. Plus I thought that people would have experimented a lot more uh, you know Fred and George Arthur and maybe I think it was Luna's mother are really the only witches and wizards in the book that you hear of that really experiment with magic and I just I think if magic was a real thing witches and wizards would for sure dabble in it into it and look into stuff so I just I thought runes were neat wanted to use them
1: yeah and let's face it it's more interesting than maths which is what you would have with arithmancy
2: Arithmancy, yeah, that's basically math equations in my mind.
0: I definitely think there's a way to make arithmetic interesting from a fanfic perspective, but it requires yeah. a lot of legwork.
2: It does. Yeah, you're basically talking about solving differential equations with magic huh. magic math, I guess. Let's make algebra fun! Wink wink. Yeah. Hey, algebra's not too bad. It's well, the only
1: time I've heard of that happening is in Sword of Gryffindor.
2: I don't think I've read that
0: drawn a blank but that doesn't say a whole lot
1: that's the very very cracky one with the ghost of godric gryffindor and the
2: oh um, wait is that the one apps where they were gonna do the reading of it
1: uh that's the one where we read the first chapter um and it was uh, a mutual friend australian friend of ours um did a very very creepy voice for godric gryffindor um, okay
2: and it was, i know the one you're talking about. Yes. I'm aware.
1: Yes. That oh. One. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe, it's a, it's an M crackfic, and it's M for a reason.
2: Mhm. It is. Okay. Well, I will.
1: Um, I think the author's name is something like Clone Serpents.
2: Oh, I can't remember. You're better at names than I am.
1: Well, yeah. I also read it when I was too young to have read it. <laughs> Sorry.
2: That's, that's those are both the greatest and the worst <laughs> things about fan fiction i have so many memories of reading things and while you're reading it you have that like it's like that light bulb goes off and you're like i probably shouldn't be reading this <laughs> this seems like something i shouldn't be reading
0: generationally i our fandom bracket is kind of the the first one that experiment with fan fiction
2: definitely yes yeah.
0: especially in the more widely consumed inter- internet style as opposed to Just writing a story in a journal somewhere, like we've all done. So the the way the way that we consume fan fiction, especially in those early days of the fandom, kind of really colored our our experiences later in life. Like, definitely, I definitely should not be reading this at 14 years old, but here I am. Oh yeah, yeah, and I got into
2: it early too. So
0: I think that really brings us to a close. I mean, I don't, I know, I don't have anything else without going in like full spoilers and just trying to pick your yeah. brain about everything <laughs> uh, yeah no problem uh, Lauren do you have anything yeah, on you?
1: I have no clue I mean I know I don't but I have nothing to BS off for once
0: okay well I all right like, then Tori it's been an absolute pleasure you are welcome back on the show anytime just say the word well,
2: thank you anytime. Oh, you, guys, anytime you anytime you want to have me just let me know thank you guys for uh, having me today this was a lot of fun Um, it's good conversation thank you
0: i know we did uh so yeah i think it's gonna bring us to a close for this episode and uh we'll see you next time gang
2: sounds good
1: bye guys see you next time you've enjoyed this uh this episode
0: books and brooms is a hms harmony production released in association with hall of justice music and themes by james odell Books and Brooms is a fan experience not intended to infringe upon existing trademarks. All works are the property of their original creators. Harry Potter, created by J.K. Rowling. Wizarding World characters and associated media are a copyright of Warner Brothers Entertainment. All rights reserved.